Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, Episode 99, New Year's Resolutions Part 1, Increasing Conversational Intelligence for Game-Changing Results. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. As always, it is terrific to be joining you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. And if you're listening for the first time, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to the next level of growth and success. So Pam, what's up for today? As we're closing the book on 2016 and looking ahead to 2017, it seems appropriate to take a moment to think about New Year's resolutions. Okay. And we're going to do this in two parts, this week and next week as we hit our 100th episode. 100 episodes. We've been doing this for almost two years now. It's true. We started in February 2015. Wow. Well, for this week's resolution, we're focusing on something that should be an ongoing practice for anyone who's committed to dramatically growing their company so that it's first, fast, and foremost. And that is elevating the ability to have more open and effective conversations. Okay, why is that so important? Because... In order to ignite and sustain the momentum that it takes to get through the inevitable ups and downs on the journey of growth, we yeah. need to communicate through more than email, tweets, or texts. Okay. Because there's too much room for misinterpretation, even with the emojis. Uh-huh. We need to communicate with each other through conversation. Conversation. And, you know, we all have conversation, or we say we do, but there's a real difference we've noticed over the years between talking with somebody and actually having a really, truly effective conversation that connects, that engages, that motivates, that really informs and gets down to the bottom of stuff. And the reason for that is that it's based on both neuroscience and how you actually apply yourself in the conversation. You're right. And that's what we learned from the guests that we are featuring this week. This is actually an encore of our very first conversation with Judith E. Glazer, CEO of Benchmark Communications and chairman and co-founder of the Creating We Institute. Uh This conversation was our third episode. Yes. And uh, we have had Judith back over the years on and off. But this first conversation sets the tone for what conversational intelligence is really all about. Uh So just a little bit more about Judith. She is the award-winning author of the best-selling books, Creating We and Conversational Intelligence, How Great Leaders Build Trust and Get Extraordinary Results. In 2004, Judith was awarded Woman of the Year in New York City. Since 2006, she's been listed as one of the top 10 consultants globally in the Excellence Top 100 Consultants and is considered one of the top 100 thought leaders globally on the subject of leadership. 
In 2011, Judith was awarded the Drexel University Distinguished Alumni Award, and in 2006, she was inducted into the Temple University Gallery of Success. Judith is frequently quoted on her revolutionary workplace approaches in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Cranes, Harvard Business Review, the Huffington Post, Entrepreneur Magazine, AMA World, and more. And she is the contributing editor for Executive Excellence Magazine. And we are lucky to count her among our friends. And you can visit growthignitersradio.com, select episode 99 to see show notes for this episode, including links to other conversations that we've had with Judith over the past two years. Now... Let's pick up on our conversation with Judith E. Glazer about why conversational intelligence is a game changer in business. Stay with us. I am so excited to have her here. Welcome, Judith. I'm so thrilled to be on your show. I'm really, really excited. It is. So, it's, it's wonderful. So, yeah. so Judith, uh, talk to us a little bit about what is this field of conversational intelligence? Uh, we do we use conversations all the time, every day, from the time a baby's born until the time we end our lives. It is the it's what it's the glue that holds human beings together. But so often we think of conversations as giving information to other people or telling people things to do, or it's 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 that we've been growing up in the information age, and so we think of conversations as information between right. people. In fact, the right. dictionary definition talks about it that way. So, so it's 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 information. That's not what I say it is. That's that. That's what the dictionary says it is. And Interesting. That's what, yeah. So you know, I've, I I wrote a dictionary a bunch of years ago for Random House, and it made me think about how the the way we define things in the world shapes the way we experience them. And yes. from the time I was young, I was interested in neuroscience at, at a crazy level. And so I said um, to myself, what if conversations were something different than what we thought they were? What if, in fact, conversations have many levels to them, which we all know because when we sit in our head and think about something as we're talking, that's a level. Or True. when we, you know, or when we observe someone after we've had the, the, the conversation, that's another level. And so I said, conversations really have to be redefined as how we connect, navigate, and grow with others. So, so it's about more than just words then. It's absolutely more than just words. Words are important, and we can talk about that too, but the key is to broaden people's awareness about how conversations are so important that we should actually prime for them, and while we're in them, we should check and see how we're doing, and afterwards, we need to also think about the impact. So we've broadened conversations from the words to a whole process of engagement between human beings. And you know, that's really interesting because we, have conversations with people as naturally as breathing and we all get into these habits. Hey, stop that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But isn't that true? I mean, don't you find that there are habitual ways that people have conversations? Well, you've actually nailed at the heart of what conversations and conversational intelligence is all about. Um, so thank you for refocusing on that. And, and that is that conversations are habit patterns that we get into, we've gotten into from the time we were little when a parent says, uh, you know, don't do what I uh, do, do what I say. Right, uh, and, right. You yeah. know, all those clever little things that people mm -hmm. use to control us when we were bad. And <laughs> True. And, you know. <laughs> I hear them all the time. <laughs> yes, yes, you know, yes. But that's yeah. true. And, and so it's almost as natural as breathing sometimes. That's what makes it so tricky. 
Mm-hmm. It is. And, and yet, um, every time we start to think about conversations in terms of rituals, instead of the, the bad side, which is the habit patterns that don't work, um, when I shifted or, or refocused people into thinking of conversations as um, rituals, that we all can learn to do, which have the ability to open up different parts of our brain, different parts of our body, meaning even our heart, and enable us to tap into wisdom that even we didn't know that we had. So Judith, you mentioned that you had this interest in neurochemistry and neurophysiology. So it sounds like a lot of your understanding about conversational intelligence is really based upon evidence. It's, it's evidence-based, science-based, which really resonates with me because I was trained as a scientist. And I, I like to say, you know, why do things work? If we understand why things work, then we can understand how to make them work better. So what, what is some of the science behind this and takes it out of opinion and, and more into the realm of uh, theory and application? So here, I'm so glad um, that we're able to talk about science now because Scott and Pam, as you, you can imagine that when I tried to bring science 30 years ago into the discussion about leadership, <laughs> I mean, I, I have to tell you, I had at least 100 rejections of this book that is now conversational intelligence and, you know, says it all in, in language that people can understand. But the thrust in the last 10 years of neuroscience becoming a part of everybody's thought agenda, I mean, even in schools and early schools, you know, people are thinking about it. it's made it easy, easier for me to, to talk about this. So here are a couple of really cool things. Um, one is that in 0 0.07 seconds, our brain can get something. It's a level that's so much faster than just the words alone, because for me to just say a word, it's, it's much longer in terms of time. But our body, as we're interacting with each other in 0 0.07 seconds, is picking up chemistry and electrochemistry and the waves that we're sending each other and making decisions on our behalf. So what's an example? So whether I trust you or not, um, we now know that within 10 feet of another person, the electrochemical um, waves of me processing my experience with you and you processing your experience with me is happening. And as we get close, our hearts pick up that chemistry. It's a combination of chemical and electrical. And our heart reads that Whoa. and sends messages to the brain, either I trust or distrust this person. So that gut feeling really is... It's a gut feeling. It's, it's, it's yep. real. It's not just it's aught in my... Right. Well, I guess it is in my head, but it's more in my brain and my body, right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, in, your, wow. in your heart and in your gut. And the, um, the neurons that go from the gut to the brain are different. And uh, they are longer and more powerful. It's like a speedier train. Like you can tell, take an Acela train or you can take a slow train. That certain nerves have been built and designed for us, the Vons neurons, for example, which is the ones I'm talking about, are made to have speedier connections. And so we, when we say, do you trust your gut? That's there for a reason. That's an wow. evolutionary phenomena. That's, that's yeah. So the more we understand that, the more we can start to really shape our conversation in a much more beneficial way. And an example of shaping the conversation more beneficially, Scott, is that there were times where people would say, you know, use your head, don't use your gut. In, in other words, the guidance was you can't trust it. It's just mm. a gut, mm -hmm. right? Right. And that feeling is something people would say that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Not How rational. You know? Yeah. Especially right. in business. Oh, yeah. exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you're saying so, we really do have to trust our gut. Learn to trust our gut. In fact, the new the new research on biases 
cognitive biases is saying that our brain deceives us so often. For example, we really want someone to love us, so we give them a halo. And we don't see, as a result of that, the signals they're sending us that are the distrust signals. So now we've used our head in a way that makes us feel great inside. Oh, they love me. I'm going to fall in love with this person. They love me. And we're not picking up the signals that our gut is telling us, hold it. You know, your relationship isn't strong enough yet. Don't marry that person or whatever. Wow. <laughs> <I'm making stuff laughs> or don't <up>. hire them. <laughs> yeah. Or don't hire them, right? Or don't hire them, exactly. Yeah. Or don't sign that contract. Well, yeah, this, exactly. this is uh, something that we're going to have to do a little more conversation about. But we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Judith Glazer about how conversational intelligence is changing the way we think about leadership and culture change. Stay with us. We're so glad to have you with us on Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. We focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum in their companies for game-changing results. Does this topic resonate with you? Well, we have more. Check out related episodes to expand your perspectives and take away even more immediately actionable ideas. Just go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 99, and scroll down to resources. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly alert of upcoming episodes so you'll always be up to date. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Hi there. We're talking with Judith Glazer, CEO of Creating We, and the award-winning author of the best-selling book, Conversational Intelligence, How Great Leaders Build Trust get and Get Extraordinary Results. Judith, how can people find your book and get more information about Creating We? Uh, the easiest way is to go to Amazon and um, just type in conversational intelligence and you will find the book. The second way is to go, we have two websites. One is uh, www.creatingwe.com where we have lots of information, articles, um, things that people can use to help them think through how they could use creating new technologies and conversational intelligence in the workplace. Um, lots of great interviews. Uh, of course, yours will be up there as soon as we get it. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> That's great. I, I yeah. have to say, it's it really is a wealth of information. So uh, mm-hmm. definitely check this out. And just for clarity, the creating we, that's W-E, right? Not O-U-I. Correct. Okay, capital W, capital capital E. E. Okay, very good. That's right. Okay, well, now getting back, we talked a bit about what conversational intelligence is and where it comes from, uh, the scientific basis and all of that. Can you tell us a little more about why it's a game changer in business? So I've been in my business for over 30 years. And when I started, uh, people would talk about culture change and transformation. And the theory was that it takes seven years to change a culture. Right. Um, And right. And you have to do people, processes, um, strategy, the whole, there's seven bullets and Mm -hmm. each one takes so many years and so forth. And I have challenged that from the very beginning that I started to learn about the power of of the neuroscience of we and the importance of relationships and conversations to making culture change work, I flipped everything upside down. And so 
when I talk about um, the 0.07 second effect, or I talk about the caring effect, which is, for example, when people really care about each other, not about just that I win, but how can we win, which is often a piece of what culture change is all about. That mindset shift, right? That mindset shift activates a different part of our brain which enables us to think more holistically. And I, I want to talk about that with you because it's so important yes. for culture change, mm-hmm. right? More holistically, more uh, with greater connectivity and with the ability to step into taking risks and challenging the status quo, which is what change is all about. That's ha- right. right. And especially culture change and culture transformation. Right. So changing, just changing processes or changing the order of things or just changing strategies that you print out in a document is not where change happens. We have to learn that change takes place when the prefrontal cortex, which is the most, it's called the executive brain. When Mm -hmm. that part of the brain is willing to open up, meaning it trusts the environment that that it's in, the, the relationship environment or the cultural environment. Until that part of the brain opens up, we will continue to recycle habit patterns and strategies that we already know. We might move the chairs on the deck, but we don't get change. Okay, so Judith, just uh, to sort of put this in context as Mm -hmm. an example, I'm, I'm going to frame something and then ask for your opinion. Back way years ago when I first joined uh, corporate research and development uh, from Mm -hmm. academia, uh, one of the first things my supervisor at the time said is, don't talk to those people in marketing Mm because they all steal your ideas, they'll take credit, and if it doesn't work, they'll blame you. And Mm -hmm. so we were very siloed. And uh, after a few years, uh, slowly the leaders at the top actually changed, the, the CEO changed, and we started getting more and more encouragement to be multidisciplinary and to work together. And mm-hmm. that, it did take a long time. And, but finally we started to get that feeling of, okay, I can, I can trust you, you understand me, I understand you, we have different agendas in, to mm-hmm. some extent, but we have a common goal. So and, are you saying then, Judith, that conversational intelligence could have speeded up that process because it took a long time. Yeah, at least three years. Yeah, exactly. And um, I understand, <clears throat> excuse me, that fear of of sharing the best of what you know with other people because all of a sudden, especially if you're getting rewarded in your company for having great ideas, all of a sudden you're giving the quote, the enemy, which is what it feels like, um, the goods. In fact, the word collaboration means cohorting with the enemy. Oh, really? Cohorting with the enemy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look never knew that. <laughs> Look, yeah. You learn something new every day. Yes. That's yes, great. Exactly. Okay, everybody so, out there, yeah. take notes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious, we've really created walls for ourselves, haven't we? You know? <laughs> it's, wow. so, that is yeah. So, so how, how can then we use conversational leadership to change the way we look at leadership and culture change and, and make it more effective and, and faster? The, the key in conversational intelligence and why this work excites me so much is if you, encha- if you change the feel of the environment, then you change the chemistry of the conversations and relationships. So let me, let me explain that. If uh, during the course of a change process, the whole, in, the whole process was designed around how to create cross-functional integration and conversations, how to set up strategies and systems and communication protocol or rituals to enable people to share the best of what they're thinking from their disciplines and try to piece it together to create a puzzle that's much bigger. In other words, to put the puzzle pieces together to determine or uncover, unearth 
your organization's greatest assets because you have to be a, you're, you're you have a marketplace that you want to bring your work to so how exactly. do you find what's the best of the best with that in mind you will shape a completely different strategy for culture change and transformation that actually activates that prefrontal cortex heart trust that's where trust lives part uh-huh. of the brain and people won't be afraid anymore to share. In fact, the excitement of sharing will lead to higher levels of dopamine that gets us excited, endorphins, that's, that's where best practices merge. People will start to see a completely different outcome when wow. they think in terms of conversational intelligence frameworks. Interesting, do you have just a really quick story maybe you could share of how, how that actually worked? Oh my goodness, I have so many, I have so many. Um, Yeah, just, I mean, one of the biggest ones because of the, um, both the economic result as well as the culture transformation was work that I did with Clairol. Um, You know, the hair, what we call the hair color company, right? right? They really put hair color on the map. Um, At one time they were hair dye and that was a dying marketplace, excuse me for the uh, humor. Right. And and so I was hired to come in and create a conversational strategy framework for them to go through their transformation. And the company was two hundred and fifty million at the time. Within seven years they became a four point five billion that's billion dollar Whoa. company. Oh. They How many they years? were sold in seven. They were sold wow. to Procter and Gamble. And Procter and Gamble adopted the protocol that we used for the culture change, which is as now what we call conversational intelligence. Um, and so, what what we, so far does that make sense? I mean, it that does. there's a real yeah. That's a real yeah. story, and I think that what's interesting is that before conversational intelligence, uh, where were they with all of this? I mean, they, conversational the, yeah. intelligence really transformed them. Um, so, before did it when take they them from. Uh, uh, so we started out with a company that was fragmented. Um, like you were describing, marketing and sales didn't talk to each other. Right, um, R&D, uh, yeah. R&D. And we made the project, everybody had a, everybody on the team came from marketing, promotion, sales, um, management, um, and the CEO's executive team. So we made the team who sponsored this be all the people that had to come together. So they uh-huh. had a vested interest. Okay. Uh-huh. That's right? great. Yeah. That's great. And That's then... A- and then, <laughs> keep and going. then, keep and then going. I sh- then I shaped conversational spaces. I built I built a, um, a whole news network for them, and uh, we were able to capture the success stories, the best practices, the examples of what the transformation was going to look like. So when the CEO would say, "Hey, you know, this is what we want to do. This is what transformation looked like," we created an ability for them to see what it looked like, to experience it, to share. So the so we create the the platform for conversations was about sharing and discovering together, which is what conversational intelligence level three conversations are all about. Sharing and discovering. Sharing and discovering. That's a really good point. Well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Judith Glaser about why leaders can gain even better results from conversational intelligence and how they can elevate conversational intelligence in themselves and their organizations. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, 
we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum for game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. If you're enjoying and gaining useful insights from Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, can you let us know by doing us a favor and writing a short review on iTunes? Not only does this let us know what you value, your review is one of the most important ways that we can reach others who will benefit as well. And now we're reprising a special limited time offer. In honor of the holidays, the first 10 people who submit reviews between December 14th and December 30th, 2016, will receive a complimentary autographed copy of my book, Preventing Strategic Gridlock. Reviewers have said the book is a timeless resource and a great book for overcoming stalls that derails strategic progress regardless of the economy. So to look inside, visit the Preventing Strategic Gridlock page on Amazon.com. Just be one of the first 10 people to use the Contact Us link on GrowthIgnitersRadio.com by December 30th, 2016. Let us know about your new review and we'll get you your autographed copy right away. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're having a wonderful conversation with Judith Glazer, CEO of Creating We and the award-winning author of the best-selling book, Conversational Intelligence, How Great Leaders Build Trust and Get Extraordinary Results. Judith, how can people find your book and get more information about Creating We? If they go to Amazon.com, um, put the title in and you'll absolutely be targeted right to the book. Uh, to find out more about our work, uh, www.creatingwe.com. Okay. Terrific. Thank you. It sounds good. So we've been talking about what conversational intelligence is, uh, why it's important, how it plays out in making amazing shifts in companies and their growth. And now let's talk about what leaders can do. All you people out there who are going to get off of this uh radio program and go out there and do something what can they do how can they really put it to work yes and make that so, transformation so here are a couple things i'm going to give you different levels um this, there's a starting level that anybody can use and i when i say anybody i mean mothers fathers children teachers educators uh, uh scientists any industry and then people in work every leader manager and employee can use the same couple of principles I'm gonna give everybody because they are so radically important and powerful. You'll wow. get results okay. immediately, okay? All right, the let's first go. One, uh, here we go. The first and most important one is, it's all around listening. So much of what conversations have been, when we started this conversation, we talked about it as in giving information to other people or telling people what's on your mind. Um, we are now, and have proven over the 30 plus years of our research that listening is the key and how we listen determines how we experience the other person. Now, that sounds easy, and it is, but it's also profound. What that means is when we listen to judge someone, we're sending electrochemical messages that we don't believe they are who, we, who they think they are, that we don't mm. trust them. Judgment closes down the brain, and we pick it up in 0 .07 seconds. However, listening to connect, not to judge or reject, send signals that you are open to that person and are giving you you believe in them you trust them and you want to experience them so, so shifting from yes shifting listening is shifting the primary listening. shift 
So, so you, how do you do that? Because so many of us, uh, I've heard, you know, we listen and actually we're just going on in our minds, what I'm going to say next. And yep. so how, how do we shift that habit? It's, this is the part that's a, the practice part of what I do. And um, in the beginning, I had one client, for example, who um, I coached because they weren't even sure that he was going to stay with the company. He was very challenging to people. He didn't realize that when he spoke, a lot of times he was so judgmental that it turned people off and they were frightened of him. Um, it turned out that as I got to know him, his family had issues with him as well. His wife, his children. <laughs> it oh, was wow. it was. You know, it was 100%. So we started a practice. He said, I started to focus when I was interacting with my family and people at work in giving people three more seconds of, of focus time where I wasn't thinking about me, but I was really just paying attention to them. He said, I couldn't do more than three seconds in the beginning because my mind would shift back to thinking about what I didn't like about what they were saying. But he started out with three seconds. And every time we met after that, he, I'd say, how are you doing? He said, this three-second thing is amazing. He said, it's not only amazing for the people that I'm listening to, because I could see it in their eyes. Now, notice he's noticing more now. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a signal that he's doing the right thing. He said, but I found my mind shifting as well. Ah. So, so self-awareness plus other awareness elevates when so you So it's like a virtual connect. cycle. A virtuous is cycle, a vir- not virtual. It is a virtuous. Virtuous, yeah. virtuous cycle. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. So what else? What else can people uh, do? So that's number one. The second thing is asking questions for which you don't have answers. Too often, and you started to allude to this, uh, we think about where we're going next. Right. And the questions that we, right, so the questions, um, Scott, that we often ask people are questions that lead, they're lead, called leading questions where we lead others to say yes to something that we've said. So you think that's a good idea, don't you? And you said, that's a question, right? Yeah. It's a question. Right. <laughs> you know, and so that's, we didn't talk much about this, but that is level two conversations where we are advocating a point of view that we have and where we are trying to influence people to move in the direction that we want them to go. That's positional. Okay, what's um, level for one? Us, level, so level one is, is transactional where we're doing a lot of telling and asking. And it's very information driven, but we're doing it to confirm what we know. And that is an important step in building relationships. Like I'm learning about you. I want to confirm that I know this or confirm that I know know that. But the dark side of it is where we do too much telling and really aren't listening. Mm -hmm. So that's level one. It can be perfectly useful if I'm, say, just interested in a transaction. Please sell me that packet of gum. But if we're trying to do something more sophisticated, more collaborative, got to go beyond that. And many leaders, this is a big takeaway I hope people will get from our conversation today, um, that many people um, have preconceived notions about lots and lots and lots of things. And when we try to do big change programs, we want to confirm that we know we're going in the right direction. So we do a lot of that telling level one stuff, but Mm -hmm. we never, but, but we expect level three results. So a leader who goes around and does his roadshow and tells and tells and tells and says, this is where we're going and this is how you get there and I'm so glad you're on board and all these lovely things, he's in a telling mode and then he expects people to do what he told them to do, do what I say. And he doesn't get the results and then he gets upset and frustrated. And so that pattern exists in corporate America. It exists in parenting where we tell our kids what to do and they don't do it and then we get upset and think that they're rotten kids. It's all being stuck in level one, looking for level three results. Wow. So what okay. else? 
So level and level two is the persuading um, thinking. Right. We're asking leading questions. Mm -hmm. So level three questions are asking questions for which you don't have answers. So if I ask you questions about, you know, what were you thinking when you were putting together your idea? What influenced you most? Hmm. I never would know that. But what right. a powerful question for me to know about and for you to share with me so that we, we, we merge our understanding of each other's mindsets. So we really have to trust ourselves as much as uh, trusting other people. We have to believe that it's okay to actually not have all the answers and um, that other Pam, people do, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that we're creating something together. At least that's what I've found sometimes when we've worked with people. There'll be people who say, sometimes I don't want to know. I think I have to know all the answers. And, and if I don't, I'm, I'm a failure. Right. Yeah. Yep. So it's opening oneself up to a new way of looking at oneself, too, as well as others. This is, very, the, this is, this is with, if you think of yeah, conversational intelligence as connecting, the quality of the connection determines the, the, how well we then have our conversation. So the quality of the connection is first. Um, the second is navigating with others. So we're moving in and out of each other's ideas and thoughts and beliefs, not to always influence the other person to our way, but to understand their way of thinking and then growing together. And wow. the growing is about being open to learn new things. Learning Judith, new you, things, yeah. Learning new things. Now, Judith, you yeah. mentioned that um, we send out, or we're, we're sensitive to the aura of people next to us, mm -hmm. which sounds new agey, but you're telling me that there's actually n neurology behind that. And uh, facial conversations and so on, uh, these, these signals that we send, what about a conversation where you're not in the same room, like we're having one here electronically? Uh, are some of those signals sent electronically, and what isn't sent? Well, what's even fa more fascinating, because I get that question, I would say every single time I do an event, they say, okay, now we get the face-to-face -face thing, but what about we spend most of our time on the phone? There are signals that, we've never, that, we, that we are blind-sided to see, and meaning we're not even noticing that are happening all the time when we're interacting. The length of time someone is thinking is a signal. The rapidity with which someone then joins into the conversation is a signal. These are all subtle auditory cues that we're sending each other. The fact that somebody's not talking is a signal. And so um, as we learn to build this depth of this, this framework and this body of work, we're gonna start opening up to different types of signals and to get in front of the curve with our signaling systems that are where we don't have the visual signs because we've been talking about body language forever right but there's auditory language there's auditory signals there's gut you still feel your gut saying something's wrong i don't huh. like the level mm. of silence or i don't like what the silence sounds like those are we, we we have to find words to put to this whole new language of conversational intelligence where we're interacting, but we haven't had words before. I don't, let me see if I can say that better. When I, when I, when I wrote the dictionary, I had to come up with 3,500 new business terms. Every time I found a new term or put one into the dictionary that what didn't exist before, it enabled people to see things differently or feel things differently. And so we now need to invent a language for the auditory signals. They're there, they're wow. there. Wow. Right. They're there. Well, this, this I think, deserves a lot more conversation, and we hope you'll come back and join us and update us periodically on some of the new things that are coming out with conversational intelligence and creating we. 
Now, one of the things that uh, you, we talked about before we had our conversation here is uh, you have some tools that people can use to start uh, getting into the whole exercise of conversational intelligence. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you tell us about NeuroTips? Yep, we have NeuroTips. What I've been doing for the last 10 years is uh, taking the research that's coming out, the new research from around the world, and um, taking each bit of new insight. For example, there's a place in the brain for sharing, a literal place in the brain, a button that pops on when we share. Wow. So people that, that people that are tweeting to each other or sending instant messages, every time kids do that, that sharing part of the brain activates and sends chemical signals in the brain. The good news is that sharing and discovering get you to level three. That's ah. why there's such an addiction. So okay. I will send out little tips about this so people so, know what's going on. <laughs> and so what that means is if the people who are listening, all of you out there, are sharing, that we're all going to be uh, activating these. That's right. We're going to be feeling better about ourselves and each other. So, That's right. Uh, to <laughs> our listeners there who, uh, who are our community, if you want to get uh, a sample neuro tip from Judith Glazer, uh, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode three, and on the page there for this episode, you'll find resource links, and at the bottom, click on neuro tips, and uh, you'll fill in the form so that we can send you instantly a sample neuro tip from Judith. Okay. Well, again, Judith, thank you so much for uh, being part of Growth Igniter's radio today. Any final thoughts that you want to leave with us? I do. I was sitting here thinking how good I felt about how uh, open and how exciting our conversation was for me and all the things that we were able to talk about and for and me to share. Great. Great. Which is wonderful. So as a result of it, my oxytocin has gone up. And <laughs> uh, oxytocin is what helps people bond and collaborate better with each other. So the lucky next person that I speak with is going to benefit from me feeling as good as I do right now. And I want to thank you for that. Oh, oh that's yes, great. That's well, thank great. you, Judith. This has been terrific. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 99. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this thought. Communication happens. Whether you're actually shaping your message or not, you are always communicating. Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.